I'm gonna I'm gonna begin in Luke chapter four. If you want to turn to Luke chapter four. Okay, praise the Lord. So this evening we're again going to talk about prayer. And when I preacher asked me to do this evening, I wanted to continue with that theme of prayer for Wednesday nights. I, uh, but I knew that this would be difficult for me because I think when he decided to do this sort of theme for Wednesday nights, it was pretty much directly for me because it's an area that I know I need to do much better in. You know, every preacher can never fully, 100%, all of the time, walk exactly what they preach. Because if you're a preacher, you've got to preach against sin. And no preacher can all of the time not sin. If you're a preacher, you need to preach on walking in the light as he is in the light. And like every man, we are men, and our flesh rises up. And so I'm going to preach a message that is 100% for me this evening. And what I want to do is I want to look at the prayer life of Jesus. The prayer life of Jesus. But specifically, if I were to kind of make a subtitle... It would be praying in the midst of doing. Praying in the midst of doing. That's a wonderful white red-headed Jesus, Brother Piper. Him and I talked about that earlier. Praying in the midst of doing. So when we look at Luke chapter 4, I'm going to be in a handful of places. Will not be long this evening whatsoever uh, because I want to make sure we have time to pray at the end, but Luke chapter 4 and verse number 1, Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. Um, And then it goes on to say he didn't eat anything, um, and then it would go on to talk about how the devil tempted him. And so one of the very first things that we need to look at is that at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he decides that he needs to begin with a time alone with God in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights in prayer and fasting. And the first thing we need to look at is what he did was spirit-led. He said being full of the Holy Ghost, he returned from Jordan. I believe the Gospel of Matthew says the Holy Spirit directed him into the wilderness. So we see a direction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is imploring Jesus to get alone with God and to begin his ministry in a time of prayer. And so one of the things we look at is that when we're about to do something for the Lord, when we're about to teach a class, when we're about to sing a song, when we're about to go witness to somebody, maybe we ought to think about the very first step to every single process we take ought to be prayer. 
because it's prayer that will give us the power we need to do what we need to do. Now flip over one or two pages to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 and verse 16. Luke chapter 5 and verse 16. The Bible says he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. So Luke chapter 4, he began his earthly ministry. He began going forth by having a time alone with God in prayer. And then he does all of these wonderful things. He, he heals people. He preaches. The Bible says he preaches. He preached in all the synagogues in the area of Galilee. He, go, he went into Nazareth. and He went to go preach to his own people. Of course, he came unto his own and his own received him not. And he, uh, he miraculously escaped when they, tried to, uh, when they tried to murder him in Luke chapter 4. He said, my hour is not yet come. But then we read in verse 16 that Jesus purposefully withdrew himself from the crowd into the wilderness and he prayed. Okay. So we begin ministry with prayer. We begin activity with prayer. We begin doing things for God in prayer. But then in the midst of ministry, we stop and we take time to pray. We stop, we pause, and we take time to pray. This is the model that Jesus left us. Now look at chapter number 6. Luke chapter number 6 and verse number 12. It came to pass in those days that he went out into the mountain and prayed and continued all night in prayer to God. So now he's pausing out from doing all of his miracles, doing all of his teaching and preaching, working one-on-one -on -one with the disciples, working with the crowds, and now he's having an all-night prayer meeting alone in the mountains, on top of the mountain. Now that's an interesting thought to me. So we have at the beginning of his ministry, we have prayer. We have in the midst of his ministry, we have prayer. And then we see periods where he will purposefully stop and he won't just get up in the morning and pray. He won't just go and be alone with God for a while. He has an all-night prayer meeting with God. That's an interesting observation. And I will just know, we don't need to turn there, but if we looked at Luke chapter 11, that is where his disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And he gives them the model prayer that, we've all, that we all know about. Um, um, and so, could it be that his disciples observed the prayer life of Jesus? Could it be that his disciples saw as he withdrew himself time and time again, as he got along with God and uh, re-energized himself, if you will, and could it be that his disciples saw this pattern and they simply asked, Jesus, will you teach us how to do that? Teach us how to pray. And so he gave them a model for all of us that we ought to look at. And so I will just quickly say Mark chapter 1 verse 35 if you're taking notes we would read that he got up early in the morning and he went and prayed so he set the example for us to begin our day in prayer and Mark chapter 9 
uh, the disciples. I'm going to turn there for me. You can if you want to. Mark chapter 9, the disciples are conversing with Jesus and they're asking why this man uh, cannot be cleansed of this uh, demon. Um, we would see, why can we not uh, cast him out? Verse 28, when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing, but by prayer and by fasting. So we see even the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, is setting the example for us that if we're going to do any great thing for God, the power to do that thing, the supernatural power, comes by prayer and by fasting. And I don't want to preach on fasting this evening, but it is something that might be neglected in a lot of our Christian lives. And so we see, once again, beginning of his ministry, there it is, prayer. In the midst of his ministry, there it is, prayer. He had a mountaintop moment of prayer. And it's interesting, I, I wonder if sometimes as Christians, we wonder why we can't get to a mountaintop level of Christianity. We can't get to a Mount Transfiguration level of Christianity. Maybe it's because we're not willing to do mountaintop level of praying. And so, and then we would read how Jesus told us that this specific example, this uh, demon, this devil, could only be cast out by prayer and fasting. In other words, the power comes from prayer. And so look at John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Jesus is at the end of his earthly ministry with the exception of going to the cross. With the exception of going to the cross and dying again. And he prays to the Father. Now we look at, a, at an example of excuse me, what exactly Jesus prayed. And verse number four, he said, I have glorified thee on the earth. He said, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. So in John chapter 17, which is a wonderful passage to study, Jesus is pausing and he's saying, okay, the work you gave me to do, the miracles, the preaching, the teaching. I went to Caesarea Philippi. I established my church there. Remember Peter said upon, he, he, he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I called the 12 disciples. I did all of these work. Now he's come to the end of his work. And what's he doing? To signify the end, he's praying to God. He's giving God the glory. He's telling God, I have glorified, I have glorified you on this earth. And now, if we'll look at verse number six, he says, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. And now look at verse number nine. He says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, 
for they are thine. And I want to tell you good news. That's still true today. Jesus still prays for us today. The Bible doesn't necessarily say, as a matter of fact, you could take verse 9 and you could make the application that Jesus is not necessarily praying for the whole world, even today. But what he does do is he makes intercession for us at the right hand of God the Father. And so the question is, Brother Andy, okay, we've studied the prayer life of Jesus. We haven't even really scratched the surface, to be honest with you. We've not done that this evening. But how do we take what we've learned and apply it to our lives? How do we do that? Look at 1 John chapter 1. This will be the last place we turn to. 1 John chapter 1. I recently asked a uh, preacher friend of mine or a mentor of mine, how do I, as a preacher, how do I get the touch of God? How do I do that? I think every preacher ought to want that, but maybe every Christian ought to want that too. And he took me to 1 John chapter 1. And I read verse number 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the... I'm in Second Peter, 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. Um, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now that was interesting to me. Because I had always thought that 1 John chapter 1 was about repentance. There's that famous verse in verse number 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And boy, I just really thought that's what this whole, uh, this whole chapter is talking about. But really what it's talking about is how to have that fellowship and that communion with your Savior. How to have fellowship and communion with your Savior. Now listen to this. God said in verse number 6, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And just for the fun of it, verse uh, 1 of chapter 2 my little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, by the way, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. In other words, he's still praying for you. He's still praying for you at the right hand of God the Father. Just like he said that he prayed for you in John chapter 17, he's still praying for you today. And so the question is, how do we walk in truth? How do we walk in the light? And here's what Jesus is saying in this text. 
he's saying, I just want you to fellowship with me. I just want you to commune with me. And so often I think we think that prayer is about this. We have to have this time where we uh, get real reverent and we talk to God very reverently. And by the way, God deserves our reverence. I'm all for that. And, and we, we have this kind of outline we follow of giving thanks to God, of, of repenting and confessing our sins, and then making our requests known to Him. And that's all biblical and that's all true. But we forget to just fellowship with Him. You know, the Bible says we have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. A friend. Jesus said, no greater, uh, no greater love hath any man than a friend than a man lay down his life for his friend. Maybe what First John is saying is he's saying, I want you to talk to me like a friend. Last week, Brother Tim said, many Christians make the mistake. They, they're just not themselves when they talk to God. They feel like they have to be a different person. You don't have to be a different person. God already knows who you are. And so when you talk to God like he's a friend, maybe your prayer life will get better. And here's the lesson I think Jesus is trying to teach us. When we have an endeavor we want to do for God, we've got something we want to do for God, begin with prayer. And then in the midst of that, pause and pray. And in the midst of doing all that, talk to him like he's a friend. Here's what it looks like. I recently tried to think about how can I be a better friend to some of my friends. By the way, that's a good exercise. How do I be a better friend to some of my friends? And I've had good friends throughout the years. Public school, high school, man, I had a couple of great friends, Christian friends, iron sharpening iron kind of friends, and I'm thankful for them. And I look back at our friendship and here's what our friendship was like. Every day we made time, whether intentional or not, to just have a, a edifying conversation where I just said, hey, hey, Logan, I got to tell you, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me? Or, man, what I learned this out of my Bible today and it was good. Can I share it with you? We have that communion. We began our day face to face. Okay? But then we went to classes together. We went to activities together. We went and did things together. And instead of being face to face, we were side by side. And we were just fellowshipping. And we were just communing. And, and we were just enjoying each other's presence. And then... In addition to that, we would often have to pause and go back face to face and really, really have an important conversation. Really, really, we had to, I mean, really, really talk about what does the future look like. Man, I just don't know, where does God want me to go to college? And boy, we would talk to that, talk about that for 20, 30 minutes, and we would hash it out like friends. 
and we would throw this to one another, and we would throw that to one another, and we would just talk about our burdens, Galatians chapter 6, bearing one another's burdens. And then we would go back to side by side and we would be fellowshipping. Here is what I believe that looks like. When you're, when you're having your walk with Jesus, you need to have that moment in the morning where you turn to him face to face and just say, I'm looking forward to a good day of fellowshipping with my best friend. And then you're going about your day and then it's side by side. You're just talking to Jesus. You're just enjoying the presence of Jesus because you know that he's with you. Something comes up and you pray about it. Jesus, what do you think about this? By the way, is Jesus the first person you bring your concerns to? How many times do we go to other people before we go to God? And you know what I've found? When you go to God first, a lot of times he takes care of it. And you don't need to go to that with other people. How cool is that? And you're side by side by Jesus. And you're just having a grand old time. And then maybe what you need to do is at the end of your day, you just need to turn face to face again. Or in the middle of your day, you need to turn face to face again. And maybe practically that just means getting on your knees and saying, God, I've got this burden. Help me. God, how can I help you? How can I bless you, Psalm 145, today? But then every now and then what we need is we need those mountaintop moments. We need, we desperately need those all-night prayer meetings. And that's like you're sitting down with your best friend face to face. And you, you, you are adorning him. You are telling him how good he really is. Because, by the way, he's the best friend you've got. And you're just really getting to know your friend. And you're really letting your friend minister to you and help you. And let me just say this. If Jesus, if Jesus needed to have that fellowship, that communion with God, if Jesus had to have those mountaintop all-night prayer meetings, don't you think we ought to think about doing the same thing? If we can just model that, follow the example that Jesus set for us, which Peter said he came to give us an example. That's one of the reasons he came. If we can do that, and we can say, before every endeavor, we're going to begin with prayer. And we're going to seek the face of God. And you know what? In the midst of the endeavor, we're going to stop and we're going to pray. And while we're doing the endeavor, guess who's by our side the whole time? We need to acknowledge that he's there. We need to be his friend. And then every now and then, God just really wants us to get alone for a long period of time with him and really, really get to know him. And I think that that's the model that Jesus gave us. We didn't scratch the surface tonight, but I think that if we can all strive to do that, then maybe, just maybe, we'll have that kind of power that he talked about 
and Mark chapter 9, verse 29. Maybe, just maybe, we'll have the kind of power that fell upon the apostles on the day of Pentecost. Maybe, just maybe, we will be able to accomplish the works of God by seeking his face and letting his power come into us. And I want to do something for God that's so big that the world looks at my life and say, that wasn't Andy, that was God, that was God. And so the question tonight is real simple. How are you doing at that day-to-day -day walk? Do you go throughout your entire day and never give thought to the fact that you've got a friend right there? I mean, he lives, he lives. Ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. How are we doing at beginning every single endeavor with prayer and truly seeking God's face? In the midst of those endeavors, are we really pausing to give thanks to God, to pray, to reset and say, okay, God, are we on the right track? Man to man, if you will. And then when was the last time we really got alone in that prayer closet? We really got alone in isolation with God. We had that mountaintop prayer meeting that Jesus had with his father. 